Welcome to Mompreneurs, where we celebrate and learn from fabulous black women who are out here killing it as mom-in-chief, running both their households and their businesses. I'm your host, Nancy Red, and I come from a lovely lineage of black mompreneurs in Southern Virginia. I'm thrilled to present this intimate interview series that highlights inspiring and educational stories about how women are creating incredible opportunities and generational wealth for their families. But money isn't all this series is about. Balancing motherhood, mental health, and happiness is really important too. From book empires to bonnet-wearing dolls to building franchises, these powerhouses are redefining what it means to be a working mama while inspiring a new generation of mothers to do it for themselves. Now, before becoming a mom, Dr. Rache Barnes was doing it all. She had a full-time job, a bunch of fun hustles, and a doctorate degree before the age of dirty, 30. <laughs> the dirty age of 30. <laughs> but when she became a mom, her priorities changed and she made the decision to jump from employee to employer. Now, this mompreneur has more businesses than I can count. We're gonna talk about as many of them as we can, everything from PR to investments to a line of seasoning salt, y'all. <laughs> We're so happy to be here with you. Should I call you Dr. Rache or is Rache what, okay? Whatever's comfortable for what, you. What do you prefer? Dr. Barnes is fine. And see, I, I love that because you earned that. Absolutely. That did not come easy. Child, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely earned it. I see, my daddy went to Virginia State, and oh, so when wow. I saw that you were the youngest graduate at Virginia State University to receive her doctorate of education, mm -hmm. I was really impressed because I know how difficult it is to get through this. What encouraged you to go into education? Um, well, honestly, um, initially when I went to school, I was going to school to be a lawyer. So uh, English was just the, the major that I chose. And when I got to the prerequisite phase before going to you know, law school, I took my LSAT and one of my deans told me, he said, hey, if you can get a certain LSAT score, I'll make sure you get to North Carolina Central for free. Um, so I went to North Carolina Central during the summer program down there and I absolutely hated it. So I was like, oh God, I don't want to have a title just to have a title. So I tried to weigh my options. I already have this degree. Um, I love kids. I love teaching. And so I fell into education. Um, so I was an English teacher in Richmond Public Schools for 10 years. And see, when we're looking at this, you were a teacher and you had all these different things. And then you meet your wonderful partner. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, and you, you have always been an entrepreneur, right? You started your first business 10 years ago. Some people fall into entrepreneurship because it fits in with their motherhood mm -hmm. lifestyle. But you've always had the entrepreneurship bug. What was your very first business that you started? So I started, so I, I will say as an entrepreneur, I started making money maybe 10 or plus years ago as an entrepreneur, but I've always had an entrepreneur spirit. Even as a child, I would sell lemonade. I would make cupcakes. Um, my grandmother actually used to do weddings. Um, she was an event planner. So I would go to her, I would go with her to different events and help with the balloon arches and things like that. And even though she had a job, she was a director of recreational services at the VA Medical Center in Coatesville for over 40 years. So even though she had a job, she still had a side hustle. And I like, you know, the fact that she could do some things that she liked on her own and on her own time. So that kind of rubbed off on me. Um, so when I was in college, I created a, a cupcake business called Candy Cupcakes. So while all my friends were on the yard and having fun at homecoming, I was making money. Um, you know, 19, 20 years old, I'm making four or $5,000 in two days as you know, I don't have any bills, I don't have any kids, I don't have any overhead. So to me, I like the thrill of being able, not just the money, but the thrill of being able to do things on my own time. 
And see, I love that because what you said is why we have this show. You didn't have any bills. You didn't have any kids. <laughs> you just straight chill, Child. right? But see, once you have kids, things change a little bit. But you were not even thinking about this because you were you were the teacher. Mm-hmm. You, you you have your superintendent's license. You were on a track for that to be your focus, right? Your job with your PhD with your side hustles, and then what happens? I get pregnant, <laughs> and you were not expecting it, <laughs> and it wasn't expected. It wasn't planned. <laughs> so, um, I, me and my fiance had to have a conversation about, you know, well, what, what are we going to do? Because at this time, I was still living in Virginia, um, so I had to make a decision at. Bef- Prior to that, um, I used to work for, you know, BET. I did some stuff with Viacom. I I interned with BET. Then I became a media rep for Def Jam in the DMV market. Um, So after getting pregnant, I said, well, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to come back? Because I'm going to move closer to home because at this point I'm in Virginia. I'm from the Philadelphia area. So I wanted to move and back. And your and your partners there. He's I mean, from Philadelphia. Like, yeah. So you were in school in Virginia when you met him yes. in 2017. Yes. In Philly. And he's in Philly. And so you're yeah, in Virginia. And I'm in Virginia. So living your best life. Living my best life. And he stopped. The, the, he stopped the, the party. <laughs> he was like, uh, <laughs> "Party done." He was like, "Party done." By so, accident. By accident. But it, I mean, it was the greatest accident that could have ever happened to me. So. Um, decided to move back home with him and we we, we figured things out. So now um, I actually got offered an assistant principal job while I was pregnant. But, in Philly. And in Philadelphia. Yep. I got offered an assistant principal job. But you have to think at the time, school starts in September. My due date was in October. So this is a new school system. It's new teachers. It's new kids that I'm not familiar with. So I would have been out of the classroom for three months. And then I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have went back after Christmas break. So it was like, I had to just really make that decision. Like, girl, just, just, just kind of figure it out. And that's what I did. So when you're talking to your fiance, you've moved or that you're pregnant, you have an amazing job with like pension benefits and all mm-hmm. kinds of things. And you made the decision to say, you know what? I got my, I got my doctorate degree. I have my career. I got 10 years in. I'm going to completely pivot and focus on these side hustles mm-hmm. and make them my main hustles. And I was broke, child. I was broke. But I think the biggest thing out of that is I wasn't afraid to fail and I wasn't afraid to be uncomfortable. And I think that's one of the main things about entrepreneurship is that a lot of people think things come easy and they don't. As an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot of failures inevitable as an entrepreneur. It's just it's inevitable. Unless it's something that you're going to inherit. If you really have to get up there, get out there and roll your sleeves up and get to work, there's going to be failure. There's going to be trials. It's going to be tribulations, but you just have to figure out how to, how to figure those things out. So one of the first things I did was start expensive taste spice blends. I love to cook. I'm always in the kitchen. Um, but I'm like, why do we have to use like 13 seasonings to get one taste? I got to use garlic powder, onion powder, paprika, salt, pepper, lorries, Cajun. It's like, why we can't have all of this in, in one in one taste? So that's how expensive taste came about. Because I have expensive taste. So I said, if you have expensive taste with everything else, you should have expensive taste in the kitchen. So all of the names for the seasons came as something like an expensive taste. So the Cash all- money Cajun? Yeah, cash me out Cajun <laughs> and gourmet garlic and lavish lemon pepper and after that, we also did a wellness collection. So we they have um, apple cider vinegar gum- gummies. We have a, a detox tea. We have an elderberry gummy. Um, so expensive taste. It, it's actually on Walmart.com as well. We did a partnership with Walmart. So they're on Walmart.com. Um, but it, that was like one of the first big things that was like, oh, I can do this on my own. Like I was like, I'm making as much 
here in a week than I did in a month as a teacher. So and so, so where are you right now? Have you okay? So you you got pregnant twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Have your baby. Mm-hmm. You quit your job. When so expensive taste spice blends your first business that first, you, first business pre post pandemic post post pandemic mm-hmm. was this with the, between the times so of when you when you left your job mm-hmm. twenty nineteen and you're trying to decide what you did. Did you take this period of time to figure out what figure you wanted to do? Figure it out. So, yeah. So you were a slow burn entrepreneur. Yes. You didn't take the job. Didn't just decided to be broke and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And I turned the, the, I mean, the salary, you know, it was like $100,000. So you're turning down 100 k and you don't even have an income and you have a baby on the way. It's like, are you nuts? But it's like, you, sometimes you have to figure out what makes the most sense. And to me at that time, that didn't make sense for me. Um, so Why didn't it make sense for you? Well, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to build the rapport with my staff and my students. And that's something that's really, really important to me. Even not being in a classroom for almost three, four years, I still have students that reach out to me. I have students who I taught in seventh grade who are becoming moms of their own and they're having baby showers and they're inviting me to birthday parties. And I have students who are ninth grade and Miss Barnes, can you cash at me because I need a ride home? I mean, still, these babies are still very much connected to me. So I felt like I would have had underserved the the staff and the students starting the school year in January because that's when I would have had to start um, back to work. And I felt like at that point, the relationship and the tone is already set for the building. So I just thought it was the best for me not to, you know, take that take that option. So it's so interesting that you were not afraid to fail in the business, but you were afraid to fail people. And I mm. think that's an interesting conundrum a lot of people have. People, you're so afraid of failing people, right? Absolutely. And then you, you're, we think we're, we're tethered to these jobs because we, we, we owe people something or we don't want to, mm-hmm. to disappoint them. But you, you have to you know, look at what's important to you and look at what you need for your family. And that happens to a lot to educators. Absolutely. And I feel like education is one of those fields where it's so, like, overshadowed and overlooked. I mean, underpaid. Underpaid. And some of the, I mean, these teachers are some of the, I'm sure you have a teacher who you can remember. I have, like, eight teachers. I'm obsessed. <laughs> like, so it's like those 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 women, those men, those people who are in that profession, you know, they're tugged on our hearts forever. And I feel like, you know, they, they're they overlooked. So, I mean, it's something that's always going to be in my heart. Actually, um, being a dean or a provost of a university prior, before I leave this earth is like a goal of mine. But I want to start my own chain of charter schools. It's also as, as easier well. to do those things once you have a stream of income that you don't have to be. It's easier to be an educator when you have multiple sources of income. Absolutely. Because then you can do what you do, love on the students versus being stressed out about about your bills. So you take this time. You you're not a, you're not an educator. You've got your small baby at home. Mm-hmm. You've decided, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be these spices. Mm-hmm. That's going to be my business. But the capital to start a business doesn't just come out of thin air. No. How, what, how, did you, how did you with this? How old was your daughter? Like seven months old? How old was she when at you first this, started this? Yeah, she was like five, five or six months at the time. Well, before that, I had some money saved up, but I didn't have much saved up. Um, but I knew that this was something that would do well because I, I did research. So that's another thing prior to going in business. You know, we're in the pandemic. We're in the house. We, we don't have nothing but the computers and internet. We have time to do research. So I looked at as a as a black woman, it wasn't a lot of black owned brands. And then as black women in our community, just African Americans in general, we suffer from like different health 
problem. So I was like, well, these these seasons, they're they're we have a salt free option, but they're gluten free. They're they're paleo diet friendly. They have a twenty four month shelf life. Um, so I was trying to find an alternative that tastes good, but wasn't like you know some of the other brands on the shelves that weren't good for you. Um, so they did extremely well, but even prior to the seasons. Um, I was working with different artists and, you know, doing different things and doing different brand deals. And I was working with Trina. Um, See, that's why I find funny. I'm surprised that you think of the spices as your first business because entrepreneurship is not just a static product, mm -hmm. right? You're a publicist and you've been a publicist freelance. Even when you were a teacher, For you've a while. been building your media brand. For and, a I, long time. and so it's interesting to hear, to, to see, it's interesting. What I find because moms forget to take credit a lot of times, or they forget, like, oh they're all, God, you know, absolutely. we're just going to say, oh, yeah, of course, well, I had that going on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you actually began, not just with the cupcakes 10 years ago, but freelancing and building your street cred as a publicist. Mm -hmm. um, word of mouth, you don't publicize, really, your your, publici your publicity services. I, I, it's so many different, and it's so funny you say that, um, because there's so many different branding deals, there's so many clients that I've worked with, and a lot of things that I see that I don't take the the credit for because at the end of the day, it's like, I know that I accomplished that. I know that I did it. So I don't have to prove to someone else that, that that's my work. But I feel like sometimes it's pros and cons when it comes to that. Like I, I so like I said, I was working with Trina from, you know, um, Rockstar Music Group. I was doing some stuff with her as the VP of marketing. And how did that begin? So honestly, okay, so there is a music festival in Richmond um, that... Oh God, what is it? I forget. It's, it's an iHeart Radio Festival that they had. Trina was one of the performers, and it's just it just goes back to to show you when you're good to people, good things come to you because the connection is crazy. So this is how it happened. <laughs> so she's performing on stage, and there's this guy with Trina, and it's her videographer, and his name is Reggie. So I'm like, hey Reggie, how you been? He's like, hey hey girl, hey Roche, I haven't seen you in a while. And Reggie, make a long story short. Um, we met like two years prior doing media coverage at BET Hip Hop Awards. I didn't even know that he was connected with Trina. So he was telling me Trina's starting her own label, what she's doing, da, 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 da. I'm just like, well, I think I can be an asset to what she has. He was like, okay, well, we can figure. I kind of pitched myself to her. And she kind of took to me from the beginning. She's like, I don't give out my cell phone number to people. I don't do any of these things. Um, so her manager, Katie, and Reggie and myself, we we went to like a seafood restaurant in Miami, maybe like three weeks later, um, sat down, talked about some deliverables, and that's how the relationship with Trina began. And then after that, and even though I don't work in that capacity with Trina, that's still family. Um, but then, you know, moving forward, 2020, Pretty V. Here comes Pretty V. And um, I love Vina. That's like one of my biggest clients, but that's like my sister. So for us, it doesn't feel like work when we're doing different things. So it's so many projects and things that I'm working on now. I'm just, it's so amazing how God can do things for you in such a short period of time if you're just consistent and just resilient and just don't take no for an answer. But also very meticulous about your energy and who you're allowing your space to and and the and the and the information you put out cuz sometimes when we get good news we want to tell everybody our business we're so excited about different things and we don't realize that God gave that vision just for you just for you cuz when you start putting stuff out in the universe a lot of times everyone's not happy for what you got going on so sometimes you have to learn to kind of keep those things to yourself and just let them manifest organically um, that's so that's what I've been doing 
that we want to do this show because a lot of people want to do what you're doing. They um, don't want to be tethered to a job with their child. Um, they would like to have f more financial freedom mm -hmm. uh, and build generational wealth uh, because uh, a lot of us don't come from entrepreneur backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Are you the first entrepreneur in your family or did you grow up seeing, like you said, you saw your mothers and your grandmother, mm -hmm. you know, have, you know, their side hustles, but was there anyone, anyone who ever was taken seriously as a business person? We, I always say, I mean, black women in general, We've had to be entrepreneurs. We mm, were like, we had no choice. Our, we, like my mom and grandma were selling their crochet stuff at the country store and yes. uh, you know, selling yes. the pies, uh, yes. you know, taking a weekend job, cleaning some stuff, all these types of things to add money into mm -hmm. the household. But they weren't called entrepreneurs. They were just called moms. women's and yeah, moms. moms. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, I mean, as far as like big entrepreneurs in my family, no. But um, so my cousin, Richard Hamilton, he played for the Detroit Pistons. And a lot of people know, know Rip. So when he started to do these different deals outside of basketball, it intrigued me at a young age because I was always going with my aunts and them to his games. So when I seen that he did a deal with Boost Mobile and I seen that he did a deal with Jordan, um, he's a part of the Jordan family to this day, and he did a deal with Everfresh and came out with his own energy drink, Rip It. I was like, but he's a basketball player. Like, how is he doing all of this stuff? And at that time, I'm young. I'm like 12, 13 years old. So I'm like, so he used one platform to kind of leverage other things that he wanted to do. Now he's a, a, a you know, a NBA analyst and he travels and he, 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 he does different things with like NBA Cares and all the different programs and stuff that they have. But I love that. So for me, you know, PR was just like um, my step into the industry and then now I have the opportunity like I've, I've worked on like five or six verses with Triller I help orchestrate some of the Triller fight clubs um, I have a couple of branding deals that were in negotiations now with some big clients that we can't say because we got NDAs so <laughs> but but it all rolls out and, if, and yes. again, it's the phrase I mean that's why your story is so important because if you don't see it you cannot be it right you saw your uncle so you've got this relationship where you say all right I see how energy drinks, that can make you some money. So I'm going to start mm -hmm. these apple cider gummies and these seasoning salts. And it's incredible. The, um, the amount of investment is not always huge. Like how much did you put into the seasoning salt business when you first started in, in 2020? Maybe $500 to $1,000, no more than $2,500 with the initial like start the, the jars um, because at the beginning I was, I was ordering enough for like a hundred orders. Right. I didn't want to order too much cause I didn't, I didn't know how they were going to do. This is really helpful. Cause I think a lot of people think, oh, well, how do I get started with this business? Because I guess, you know, how do I have enough money for 5,000 jars of, mm. you know, expensive taste? I don't mm -hmm. know what it's going to do. $2,500 is doable. It's doable. And it's doable when you eliminate unnecessary costs. Like for me, okay, I'm a door dasher. So I'm like, okay, if I just spent... $250 this week on DoorDash, you know, in a month I spent $1,000 eating out and you don't even realize that you have those those unforeseen bills, the Netflix, the Hulus, the Disney Plus, the all those, all those different things that you can kind of cut back on and scale down on when you want to build your business and then use the money from your business, you know, eventually to put back into that. But um, it's not as difficult as we see, as people think it is. I think the biggest thing is just taking that risk, but doing your research in whatever field you want to be in. So for me, also, I think it's important to have like a, a mentor or someone you look up to in the field that you want to go in. Um, 
Who was your mentor in spice? So that's what I was about to say. For me, I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have one. I just wanted to cook. But now we have women like um like Prima Donna has a successful Tabitha. Tabitha. You. Myself. But there was no like Tabitha. But when I created expensive taste, you know, Tab didn't have a deal with, you know, Love. McCormick or whoever the deal was with. McCormick, but you're right. Yeah. Um I love it because it's 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 showing how diverse we can be as women. But also with all that being said and all that going on, I'm still a mom. I still have a two-year-old, you know, that, you know, she likes to be up two, three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, girl, I got work to do on this computer. But, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is also as an entrepreneur is to teach things to my, one is the freedom of the time that I have. So no one's telling me when I could take a lunch break. No one's telling me when I can have a vacation or when I can use the bathroom. Um, it's the small things, but also just being able to spend that time with my daughter is so, so important to me because like yesterday you just went to the beach. Yeah. These, just chilling. It's a work Just chilling. And at, exactly. Because these are the pivotal times in her life. And I, I work so hard because I don't want her to ever have to feel like she has to clock in for someone. If she wants to work for any of these companies or these businesses, that's fine. If not, that's fine as well. But I want her to have options because I didn't have those options. Not that, you know, our parents didn't want to give us, you know, those options, but it's just like that the mentality and the mindset, I feel like as the baby boomers generation is not now we live in a more capitalistic entrepreneur mindset, you know, society. And I love that about the younger generation. I feel like there's pros and cons to social media, but it really is showing people that you can really get out here and, you know, make a good living for yourself if you just put in the work. And that's why your story is so important because it normalizes this. You are someone that we can relate to. If you, you know, it's like, okay, this is someone who no, did this thing. and doing stuff that we're interested in. I, I like, I, I mean, now I want a spice business, right? And it's also great to know you can start with 100 jars. So how did you get from 100 jars to being on walmart.com? Like when, at what moment did you become profitable? How long did it take for your spices to become profitable? It didn't take long. I mean, we made more than $2,500. So I remember I did like a $10,000 a month. Um, and I was like, I made $10,000 this month from spices? And it was insane to me because I wasn't thinking about, cause I'm not thinking about the money, but I'm just like, it's, it's crazy as a teacher, it would have taken me like five months to make 10 K. Um, but I was seeing, you know, reach out, you know, I do all these different branding deals. So, you know, reaching out to walmart.com and doing the different market research to be on their website. And, you know, we had to do an application. They put you through a strategic process. They want to know, you know, like your QR codes and all of these different things, but we, we were approved. So, you know, that was huge. And we got approved right before um, Black Friday. Um, so that's another thing. So I'm I'm excited about that. But um, even with the entrepreneur thing, you know, talking about funding, because I do have an investment firm called Evals Equity. Um, and the whole point of Evals Equity is to help fund minority and female mostly led businesses. Because as a female entrepreneur, we make up almost 90% of the small businesses in this country, but we're funded by less than 3% of the major banks. Mm -hmm. So when you even look- Even still, which is crazy. Even still in 2022, going into 2023. So when you look at the statistics, because numbers don't lie, it doesn't matter what you say or what I say, this is what the statistics are saying. These banks are not giving us any money. And then when I look at it, to this point, it's like, well, look how easy it is to get a student loan. 
subsidized, unsubsidized, right? They'll give you $20,000 a year for four years. They will give you $100,000. They will let you do because, whatever. Because why? Because they know that when you graduate from that university, by giving us $20,000 loans a year for four years, they know that we're not going to be able to pay those back. But guess what? If I give you a business loan and you have a successful business, guess what's going to happen? You might be ending up, you might be able to pay this business loan off and now you don't need me. So now you're not in debt. So I feel like sometimes the student loan thing, and that's we will be here all day talking about, you know, <laughs> financial literacy and student loans and things like that. But just looking at the statistics for me, it was like, this is insane that we can't we can't find any money. So that's one of the main um, goals that I have for myself and my firm and the people that I'm working with is to help find funding for minority and women-led businesses. Community is something that's big to me and just community services. Well, I'm also a woman of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. So um, community service is something that's super, super big with our organization. But just the community aspect of giving back, I feel like, you know, when you take care of the community that you live in, then it helps everything else that goes on. I feel like a lot of the like lower socioeconomic or lower in, it, you know, the saying back then, it, it takes a village to raise a child. I feel like that notion is no longer because everyone is so concerned on self. No one, it's like you see something that you know is not right and you walk right past it because it, it doesn't concern you. It was like a McDonald's video that's been circulating around on social media. And it's an old McDonald's video from like the 90s. And it was this young guy, he was walking down the street. I think it was like in New York. And it was like this older lady, she needed help with her bags. He helped her with her bags. He helped her walk up the steps. He goes to McDonald's, he puts his hat on and he's happy to be at work. But it just shows this sense of community. And I feel like we've lost that um, because everyone is so concerned with with self, it's like, well, if it don't look, if it don't apply to me, then you let it fly. And you know, back in the day, it wasn't like that, especially like with women and kids. Like the things that are happening to women and children and things like that, a lot of stuff back in the day was like off limits. So I feel like we've lost a sense of community, but we can get that back. And I feel like helping fund businesses, we we put the money back in our community. I think that's the biggest thing for me is help circulating the dollar back in our community without someone else wanting 20% equity or 40% equity from a company that hasn't even got off the ground yet. So when you're looking for companies to invest in, because people listening might be interested in, mm -hmm. in coming your way, what what stands out uh, in terms of someone you think, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this person this person is somebody that I, I think can go the way, can go the distance? Well, I think someone who already has an established business. I think that's like the biggest thing. Like, so... The startup, we, we're, we're looking to um, invest in uh, pre-seed, seed, and like startup fund levels. So, you know, businesses that already have, you know, you have a business plan established. You're already, you're already a business. You're just looking for funding, especially like women in tech, um, you know, apps, things like that, because tech has definitely taken over. Um, so women in tech, but women in beauty as well, entertainment, but definitely women in the tech space. I, we've been working with a couple um, women who are developing like games and apps and things like that. And it's amazing to see people who look like you and me in that space because it's like, I feel like women, especially black women, I feel like we can literally, it's, it's cliche as it sounds, I feel like we literally can do everything. Um, so it's just amazing to see and amazing to be a part of. 
Um, because again, that wasn't done for me. So I feel like when you reach a certain point in your career, because I'm not even at my highest peak. But you I, just got started. And that's the thing. And, and I want to I want to pick up what you said. That's why I want to have these conversations, because the way we present success is not the traditional way. No, we're not wearing our sleeves. We're just moms no. trying to have a good that's time, it. make some kazash and 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 create comfort Absolutely. for our families. You know, my dad said when he went through all this, he started his businesses and then um, succumbed to an unfortunate fate. And my mom ended wow. up having to take it over. But when he was doing all this and busting, he was like, I'm trying to insulate my family from racism, you know? And he's just like, I just, it's, I'm doing all Because this. we're not that far dispatched from it. Like, what is this? I mean, we, that's, yeah. that's a whole, that's a whole other <laughs> Oh my God, where's uh, the whole? <laughs> but and see, now you've got so many layers. You've got racism, you've got classism, all these isms that... It, that this information Culture and this competency and uh, yeah, it's crazy that's why we need to talk about these these nitty-gritties and, and figure out how to break barriers and create these cycles of change and opportunity so that's what you're seeing your daughter's just two at this point so so much has happened in just a few years she's almost three mm -hmm. uh what are you hoping that when she becomes a little bit more aware of mom what are you hoping that she sees in you Oh goodness. I just I hope she's proud of me and I, I hope that I hope that she knows that, you know, her mother worked extremely hard. But, you know, as a little brown girl, it's just so important to know and I have I'm really big on affirmations. So I tell my daughter every day, you are beautiful, you are smart. Because I think as kids, it's we know that our parents love us, right? We know that our parents love us. But how many times have our parents actually verbalized that I love you. Have a great day. It's a You're different beautiful. generation. It's different. My mom loves me more than life. She gives the worst hugs. Nothing personal. No, seriously. But oh my gosh. But but then you have, because everybody loves in a different way. Some people love, they verbalize it. Some people love through things, right? Some people love through actions. So I think for me, I just want her to know that her mother loves her and she needs to hear that. And she needs to know that she's beautiful and it doesn't matter what the outside world think you should be or think you should look at like or think you should succumb to that you can really do whatever and have whatever that you want to do but I think in our community also it begins with the mindset because a lot of times people talk about well you're not doing x y and z but you can't fault someone for something they don't know or that they're not exposed to because Yet. opportunity is everything and information, and that's why. And also, it's so hard. I mean, I personally information, right? Information. I need it. Listen, I need to hear information sometimes from people with whom I'm comfortable. Absolutely. Even me. And I've been in these streets. I've been all around the world. No, seriously. But you want to know what? If I'm on my Peloton bike, you know who I like? People who look like me. That's making me feel like I'm absolutely. Going <laughs> but it, but you said something important. You said information, right? Yeah. And I think now, more than ever, I'm seeing people that look like you and me talk about financial literacy, right? Mm -hmm. Talk about the importance of credit. Talk about the importance of wealth. Talk about the importance of real estate and generational wealth and owning things. Like when I was a teenager, the kids now are very much aware of that and they have social media. When I was in high school, we didn't talk about those things because the opportunities didn't present themselves to me. And, and when we talk about opportunity, it's funny because Eval's Equity, my investment fund, the slogan for Eval's Equity is where opposition meets opportunity, oh, right? I love that. That's beautiful. Where opposition meets, meets opportunity. opportunity. But Eval's backwards spells slave. Because as a slave, you were always faced with opposition and never had many opportunities. So that's where the whole notion of Eval's Equity. So it's, it's, it's 
it's very, very deep and it's very passionate, something that's super, super passionate to me. Um, but I know that with the right people, the right investors, the right, you know, team, we can really, really take that fund to, to the next level. And that's what I want to do because I never thought that that was possible. And it was something that I was like, well, I was like, cause for me, I'm the type of person, well, if I can't find the opportunity, I'm a creative myself. I'm not going to keep looking for X, Y, and Z. You know what? We can't find no money. They don't want to give us no money. We know a couple people. We're going to find some money. So that's the whole notion of evals um, where opposition meets opportunity. And it's something I'm super passionate about. Um, and I, a lot of these things that I'm doing and I'm working on, I hope that they sustain and live way past me because it's not about what you do while you're here. It's about the legacy that you leave when you're no longer here. So and I, who are your partners in Evals? I mean, is it just you or is it you right, and your fiance? So yeah, so right now it's just myself. Yep, it's just myself. And we have, um, I have Brianna Pierce, who's my assistant, who works extremely hard. And I have a team. So my team, Barnes Media Group, um, is all women. It's like 890. How many, how many staff do you have? Well, my staff is not that big, but my initial team is like all women. So, like, we have my content creators, my graphic designers, my social media managers, my sponsorship coordinators, talent acquisition, um, assistant, junior publicists, they're all women. So, I, so what do you refer to as staff versus team? And is this a purposeful? Because I think mm -hmm. these are all individuals under your umbrella. Yes. Who I consider staff. Mm -hmm. you, you consider team. I, can, I consider them my team. Because if, if you're on my staff, I have to be able to refer to you as a team member because I feel like team, there's more trust with your team. Staff is just somebody that you're hiring to, to delegate and create a task. Um, and we have automation for that. You know? <laughs> I love this. <laughs> delegate and automate. There's so many different programs, SMS programs, marketing programs, virtual assistants, even with social media. Um, my assistant was telling me about a program, I think it's called Hoot. Who, who, it's basically a program where you can schedule your social media posts. So like on Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 12, 3 and 8 on Instagram, if I know that I want this picture to be posted with this caption, you can pay for automation to have your schedule to have. I'm like, it's, it's crazy. So that's why when I say, I think the hardest year in entrepreneurship is when you first start out before you have like people that you can delegate things to because you're doing everything yourself. You're the financial advisor, you're the the spice maker, you're the content person, the website person, the graphic designer. Um, but you can't scale a business doing everything by yourself. You have to be able to automate and delegate. It's really, really important. So when you were pregnant, how many team members did you have? When I was pregnant, just you had myself. No team members. When you first had your baby, how many team members did you have? I mean, my fiance, he's that's my team member, period. And but just in business, myself. So when was the moment that you felt comfortable? hiring your first team well not even comfortable when was the moment where i was like girl you can't do this <laughs> you <laughs> can't do this because i don't know if you ever seen the post it's a post it, it, it's something the post says something like um i can't wait to go from like seeking to being sought after something like that and um a lot of, at the beginning you know I don't have anybody. Nobody really knows me. They know I work with Trina. I have Pretty V. I work with different people. All these different brands and companies started reaching out to me. And it got to the point where I was like, wait a minute. I cannot do all these deliverables. Girl, you got 50 spice boxes to send out. Amaya got to take a nap. You got a doctor's appointment. You got th things to do. You got Zoom meetings. How are you going to scale this business? So 
we have to figure it out. And then a lot of times if you don't have the money, because that's another thing. People say, well, I don't have the money to, 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 to hire a staff. You can look up virtual assistants in the Philippines or somewhere else. They're $3 an hour or $4 an hour. You can figure out what you want those VAs to do and, and just use them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You could spend $100 on VAs and get almost a month or you know three to four weeks worth of work done. So it's really just about doing your research. Everything come, to me comes back down to research. I don't do anything without it being research-based um, because that's what the data shows. So- your 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 godly success, and this is what 2020, 2021. You still you still are. When did you curate this team of eight? What year was it? This year? This year 20, is when 2022. I just got, so this is so interesting because yeah, it seems this exponential, year. and that's why I just want everyone to understand that things often you're just chilling, and then exponentially. So you go from no staff, no staff. Maybe I get a VA. I get a VA for a second, and boom, staff, uh, staff and, of eight. And now it's to the point where I can't even accept any clients because you know. I have so I have amazing clients. I you know I have Pretty V, Bel Air is one of my brands. Um, Milano De Rouge, who's a, a, a amazing fashion designer outside of Philadelphia. Um, I just recently signed Polo G and his mom, Stacia Mack. Um, so I'm blessed. You know I'm blessed. I do I do off. I have a couple other campaigns that I'm working on with like big hair companies and brand ambassadors. Did a partnership with Dove. I just did a partnership with with Meta. Um, so, and, and it's amazing when these companies reach out to you to see, I'm going to tell you what happened when I, when I did, when I did, um, Kanye's event last year when Donda came out and we had to do, um, these virtual listening events for, for Kanye around the, around the country. That was like a big moment for me. And this was 2021. This was 2021. And how did, how did this come about? So actually, the the relationship came up. Um, one of my sororers, Danica Berry, um, she had a relationship with someone with with Kanye, and she called me and she was like, "Girl, I think we could do this." So me and her kind of strategized, and literally within and then my at that time, it's so crazy. My assist, Brianna, who's now my assistant, I called her to kind of help with this project, and in less than twenty four hours. We had Kanye's Donda listening party streaming in like Miami, Saudi Arabia. I mean, we were all over the country, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, Wilmington. And it's like all of that comes back down to having a strong team. Everybody, because I couldn't have did it by myself. The team was there. They, they didn't know they were the team at this point, though. That, <laughs> that's that, that part. That literally, the team was there. We just didn't know that a year and a half this later. chance with this influx of cash to activate the team. Yeah. And you got a one-year-old or or a two-year-old. Two-year-old. Well, how, yeah, she was one-year-old at yeah, the time. She's yeah, she was one-year-old. Yep. And so, and I, I love this because, you know, this is a phrase. And I this. own an event space. I don't think I told you that, but I have an no, event so you space. you got so much going on. <laughs> and so, but all of this has just all snowballed in the past few years. And within all, the last two years. Within the last two years. And it's just, and it seems like you're doing a really good job of in, of reinvesting capital mm -hmm. from the things that, that you're doing. So your advice for moms who have skills like these are your skills not many people could do this mm -hmm. but everyone has skills I always say that are unique to them Absolutely. you know my skill is writing books my skill is selling shows things like that right amazing um I could not do what you do you know and that's the beauty of it and people who are listening or watching they may have skills that no one else can do what is your advice on how to activate them because you seem very confident in your skills not just emotionally but in your practices um, I think the biggest thing is write down, so f create a SWOT analysis. So your strengths, your weaks, your opportunities, and your threats. 
for your top three things that if you could do right now to be getting paid for and look at the ones that have the least amount of risk and the highest amount of rewards and start from there. And the, and the, and the biggest, the greatest thing about starting a business or starting anything is if it doesn't work, then you know what not to do the next time, you know how to move forward. Um, and also, um, Stephen Covey has a book. It's called Seven, Seven Habits, Habits of Highly, highly effective, effective People. Jinx. <laughs> and one of the habits, and I live by this habit, is always begin with the end in mind. So I say begin with the end in mind because at the end of the day, even though we're not where we want to be, we always remember where we came from. So a lot of people get stuck up on where they're currently not at. But just always begin with the, begin with the end in mind and think win-win. Because a lot of times we look at situations um, as a loss when it really could be a win. Like one of my former su supervisors, um, Maurice Kelly, um, was the principal at my school. And I seen him post something um, last week. And he said something, and it stood out to me. And he said that this is the last year that he's going to be an administrator in a building because he has a water ice company called Best Decisions Water Ice out of Philadelphia. And one of the things that he said was, I no longer look at my job as a job. I look at my job as an investor because they are going to pay for my investment because I need a deep freezer for my water ice company. So he said, I no longer look at my job as a job. I look at it as an investor for my company. And I said, and I, that stood out to me is because everything goes back to your mindset. If you look at something as a job or you treat it like a job, it's going to be a job. But if you look at it like an investor and knowing that I need this capital to pay for my own business, then you'll go into the situation with a different mindset. Say it again for the people in the back, because <laughs> that is one of the things you can get so despondent when you want to be an entrepreneur, Absolutely. but you're at this job and then the job becomes your enemy repositioning it, which is where this doctorate in education is mm -hmm. coming from, <laughs> coming in handy, uh, repositioning it so the job is an investor, not an oppressor. Absolutely. It's brilliant. Absolutely. I love, And I love that. And that's something that stood out to me because there's a lot of people that want to do other things besides the, the nine to five that they have. But the mentality is, well, I have to get up. I have to go to my job. If you're thinking about it with a negative connotation already, then you already lost. You already lost Look, if you wake up and, and say, okay, well, I want to start a video company or I want to start a streaming service or I want to start a cupcake business. Well, I have to get up and go to my investor every day and take a certain amount of this investment and put into my own business. If you change your mentality, you'll change your outcome. For me, knowing that Toni Morrison, A, did not get a book published until she was mom mm. and she was, she was not young and no. she wrote yeah. her first book four o'clock in the morning, bit by bit, before she would go to her actual investment, not her job, her investment, right? And we see how the fruits of that labor came. I want to quickly go back to what you said, because a very common denominator in almost every mom who sits in this chair has been writing down who you are and what you want to be as mm. a form of manifestation. I mean, we talk about vision boards, we talk about uh, mantras, but writing down, you refer to SWAT and you glossed over it, but I want you to say again what these quadrants are that people should really look at their dreams. Because a lot of us, I, who was it? Was it um, 
someone sat here and she, they were so cute. They were just like, you know, I had these ideas in my head. Mm -hmm. And when I started writing them down, I realized they were crazy, half of them. They, 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 they were fantastical. And then I would sift through the fantastical and see the, the smart, good stuff. Mm -hmm. So what is SWOT again? So SWOT analysis um, is just when you're starting a business or doing a business plan or anything, um, it's your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your threats. Um, so when you do a SWOT analysis, you want to make sure always that your opportunities are, they outweigh the, the threats of whatever business or whatever that you're doing. Um, it's really, really, really important. But all that basically, and I know I've said that a lot, um, but everything to me comes back down to research. What does the research say? Um, and just go with your gut feeling. Go with your gut feeling. And if, if it makes sense for, for you, do it because a lot of times we want to tell every, like I said, we want to tell everybody everything you got going on and everybody's not going to understand your vision, your business. Like sometimes God gives you a vision just for you. And a lot of times with social media and entrepreneurship, they think they got social media, social media got us thinking that entrepreneurship is easy. I've been doing this for 10 plus years and I'm just starting to reap the, the fruits of my labor recently. So I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a marathon, not a race. And I think that's important to always remember it's a marathon, not a race. And and you're you're racing against yourself, no one else. Always go at your own pace. And in the same way, your job is not necessarily your oppressor, but can be an investor. Mm -hmm. The same with children. I don't think it's a coincidence that you, oops, mm. baby, and look where you are now with your job. For me, I wanted to be a, a, a television host for the longest time. I get pregnant. I just think my career is going to be over. I still got my baby weight on, like extra. And, and no, this was this this was because they lied to me. They told me that it would all come off with breast child, milk, so I lied. should just eat. Now imagine doing that and then going into a pandemic. <laughs> Girl, it would. <laughs> but I but I was just like, oh, my hosting career must be over. And actually, it being a mother tremendously increased my value. It in changed this space. me. It changed you. It changes you in a good way. So those of us listening and and trying to find inspiration and not thinking about the wonderful blessings in our lives as anything but, I think it's it's key in your situation. Do you think you would be as successful? I don't. If you did not have your wonderful daughter. And I'll tell you why. I think, um, so for me, I knew that it was time for me to transition from the classroom, right? But I kept giving myself an excuse every year. Every year was when summertime was coming, I was like, I'm not going back in the classroom in August. And then I will, you know, play around in the summer. Then up, it's time to resign this contract. And I'm back in the classroom. I feel like Amaya came into my life and it was like, okay, you either go back into this classroom or you figure it out. So I chose to figure it out. And it literally was one of the best things that could have, you know, could have happened to me. Um, it, it, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for her. And I think a lot of times, like you said, we look at, because I think a lot of times with, with parents, we think, we say, well, I'm not ready or this. You're never going to be ready to be a parent. There's no book. There's no guideline. There's, you're never going to be ready to. you think you're ready? You're not ready to be mm -hmm. a mom. Like, it, like <laughs> even before I came here, I'm still on mommy duty. My grandma's like, well, where is she going to leave? I'm like, oh, I'll door dash her Chick-fil-A. She's getting Chick-fil-A. I'm about to do it. And I'm still in mommy mode and I'm not even home. So it never stops. It never stops. And even with my mom and my grandmother with me, it never stops. So I just feel like, you know, it's it's one of the most biz, big biggest blessings that have could have ever happened to me because she she really came in and changed my mentality. I already had a hustle mentality, you know, to grind. But now I have somebody that I have to grind for. Because if I don't do what I'm supposed to do as a mom, if I fail, then she fails. 
So fail and failure is not an option at all. I don't think it's gonna be an issue for you, Miss <laughs> Doctor Rache Barnes. Yes. I think failure, and even if they are failures, they're uh, lessons. They're lessons. Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, how we speak to ourselves is so crucial in these conversations. And you have just been a font of knowledge and wisdom and positivity. I and I appreciate you so much talking. I appreciate to us. you guys so much too. And then anybody out there listening, I think if you're not in the position where you want to be or you're not comfortable. Start walking in the light that you want to be in. Start looking up the car that you want to drive. Start looking at the house or the neighborhood that you want to live in. And when you start manifesting those things in real time, then they be, they can actually become a reality. What is what is a manifestation that you thought was a pipe dream that you've been able to accomplish in these short years that your, your mompreneurship has blown up? It's so crazy because I used to tell myself I want to make like, I, if I could just make 20, 30K a month. Like, that would be great for me. And when I started making that type of money, $25,000 or $20,000 a month, I'm like, that's now is peanuts. Like, I'm like, now I need to be making 100K, 100K a month. It's, 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 it's crazy. But I think the biggest thing is, I think making your, your first 100,000 is the hardest because you have to do it alone. After that, there are systems in place to help you to make more money because now you have a team delegate and automate as I would say but um just be vulnerable don't be afraid to fail and and just know that you know if you begin with the end in mind you know you can it's as cliche as it sounds you can do whatever you want to do and um always think win-win I love all of this so much and for those of you who want to know more about what Dr. Roche Barnes is up to where can they go they can go to www.barnesmediagrouppr.com or you can uh, check me out on my social media. I'm really big on Instagram. Um, it's Ms. MZ Media underscore queen. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful. Thank so you so proud much for having you. me. Thank you. Great mom. <laughs>